Hi, welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and you're not the first laser sword wielding maniac I've had to deal with. And I'm Jamie, and look, I'm just saying, we're all the same. Everybody's got their lines they don't cross until things get messy. As far as I'm concerned, if you can make it through your day and still sleep at night, you're doing better than most. Long one, but I, I love that line. Uh, yeah, I, it's a great line. I was just sort of laughing to myself because I had originally picked a super long one, too, and I thought, no, that's too long. Well, have you done any Star Wars this week? Um, oh, I read the, uh, the latest uh, High Republic comic. It's, um, it's getting interesting. Number, inter- number five? Number five, yep. Yeah, I just got the one in the mail the other day. I have not read it yet. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's they're bringing a lot of it, uh, everything together. You can definitely tell that uh, there's a plan. That's exciting. The High Republic comics are something the boy and I are doing together, and so we'll probably read it this weekend. Get caught up, and I'm doing the IDW one. Are you, are you getting that one too? I've thought about it. I probably will eventually, but. Um, I know the author, and he's left a really bad taste in my mouth. But I'm also a Star Wars junkie, so eventually I'll, you know, I'll come crawling back. It's been pretty good so far. It's not been, it's not been my favorite piece of High Republic stuff, but it's it's good so far. No talk about Lando's bulge. There is a lot of talk about Lando's bulge in there. They 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 precog it like 250 so years before. Yeah, one day there'll be a legendary bulge in a pair of leather pants and let's talk about it i should reread that book why because 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 you're a masochist no uh, there's good stuff in that book i don't quite understand i don't quite understand the whole droid gotra thing still and so i want to i should do a deeper dive on everything that has the droid gotra in it Mm, that was in that book right um sort of sort of but it was also I thought there was, there was more of it in um, the Han Solo... S- Solo, yeah, pre- prequel book. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. Most Wanted? Most Wanted, Most Wanted. yep. Yeah, that was it. So I also, this week, I started over-reading the Darth Vader comics. The ones that take place after Empire Strikes Back. Oh, those are so good. So I read the first few, and I actually subscribed to Marvel Unlimited because they're having a sale, and I can just read them on the iPad. I love collecting the physical comics, but it's really convenient to just click next and not go digging through boxes, which my comics are quite disorganized right now. It sounds like a first-world problem, I know, but I really enjoy just clicking next, and it was cheap, and the kids and I can read Spider-Man comics, too, on the app, and I figured, why not? So I've been doing that. I've been trying to re-engage the comics in a big way, because it's something that I've neglected for a long time, and I... I, there's no good reason. I'm. I really love them. I just haven't had time to look at them, so I'm really far behind. And so I'm hoping that this will help me catch up. That whole series. I be, I don't know how far you've gotten. Like, but there's just like so much that it starts to tie into the. It starts to tie into the sequel trilogy. That's what I'm hoping. I mean, that that was one of the areas that, if you looked at like a canon timeline, for the new Disney canon. They hadn't touched anything in that area, and I was starting to think that they would do um, Shadows of the Empire, or some knockoff of Shadows of the Empire, um, with Prince... Prince, Prince Zizer? 
Sizor? Yeah, Sizor. Sizor, when it's Sizor or whatever. Yeah, that's right. That that was them. And I wanted, I, I was hoping they would go that direction. I went out and I actually bought a bunch of Shadows of the Empire stuff, like the comic and the books and some of the short stories to sort of go over with the kids again. But it looks like they're going in a different direction, which is fine. But Shadows was good. I actually like Shadows. Multimedia thing, of course, the video games were a huge part of that too. But I, I just like the idea of Shadows so much. But I guess they're going to go someplace else. Should we uh, get to the episode? So we are still doing Bad Batch because they're still releasing Bad Batch episodes. And today is May 14th, 2021. That's the date of the recording. And today was the release of episode three from season one of Bad Batch called Replacements. And I like to do this little intro in the top to talk about the director and writer. And I especially want to do it today because today it was directed by Nathaniel Villanueva. And the writer was Matt McNevitz. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm probably not. So these guys are Star Wars royalty, as far as I'm concerned. So the director was the director of four of the last episodes of Clone Wars. He did two. He did two of the one where Ahsoka is helping the sisters rip off rip off the Pikes, and he did the Phantom Apprentice, which is where Maul tries to get. Ahsoka to become his apprentice, and he did Victory and Death, which is the final episode. Oh, that's a heavy episode. Yeah, and so this guy, as far as I'm concerned, he's royalty because he did that episode, one of the best episodes of any cartoon ever made. Now let's go to the writer, Matt. Matt was the head writer for Clone Wars Season 6 with head writing credits for the Ponk Krell arc and the Citadel arc. Nice. Some of the best, some of the best Clone Wars arcs, in my opinion. Pong Krell is freaking amazing. That arc is so it's shot like a horror film, right? It's amazing. So he also co-wrote all of the Bad Batch episodes in the final season. That little four-part arc. He has a co-writing credit for that, and he did a dozen episodes of Star Wars Rebels, including Ghosts of Geonosis and the Lost Commanders. Nice. Once again. Great, great arcs, great, great episodes. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there that that this has like some really A plus Star Wars pedigree going into the uh, episode. So we open up the show with the Bad Batch's ship, which I learned today is called the Havoc Marauder, the you know <laughs> Mega Attack Cruiser. They're in hyperspace, and it appears that it's malfunctioning. There's like lightning jumping around the outside. We cut to the inside, and Omega's laying on the floor against a gonk droid that we saw earlier. And um, StarWars.com revealed either today or yesterday that this gonk droid's name is Gonky. I have to say, I like the fact that, you know, like, there's okay, there's got to be a droid, so it's a gonk droid. That's, that's going to be their kind of their droid companion. That's a great point, that there always has to be a droid Usually a droid and an alien, right? But there is always a droid, and their droid is a battery. They can't, <laughs> they can't talk. They just say, they sort of say gonk. Yeah. But I'm sorry, gonky sounds like something from Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. Good morning, gonky. How's it going? So Hunter walks through the ship, and he's handing out food, like ration bars. And Wrecker slides down the ladder and grabs his and eats it in one gulp. He asks for more, and Omega offers hers, but Hunter talks him out of taking food from Omega. She's just being compassionate and empathic. 
Hunter says she doesn't even have a bed. She should at least get food. And this is where there's a lot of Easter eggs in this episode, but this is one of the early ones um, where the food that they're eating is the food that Luke eats on um, Dagobah and Empire Strikes Back, right down yeah. to the box. Yeah, yeah, it was like a it was like the lunchbox sort of thing. Yeah, so invest in that company if you live in that universe because they're apparently going to be around for a while. So the ship was damaged when they fled Slukamai. They fled Slukamai last episode under fire, and so presumably something was damaged. Echo complains that he doesn't have help fixing the ship because Tech is making a scanner to measure the activity of their inhibitor chips. So Tech is still on this inhibitor chip kick. Tech claims that no essential systems have been damaged by the firefight, but right when he says this, the ship drops out of hyperspace and is on a collision course with some random moon. I'm having a little bit of trouble with Tech's character. I think he's a great character, but he has like this psychopath detachment about like what's happening around him, and it's getting a little yeah form. That yeah, I hope they hope they don't lean in too hard, but he's just very logical. Uh, you know, logical to a fault that you know, like everything's blowing up around him, and it's like, and he's just like, well, the life support's still there, so technically we're okay. Yeah, it's it's a shame when you take when you take the genius character and make them like a, you play up like his neuroatypicalness to the point where he's basically non-functional in any sort of normal setting. But yeah, it's I, fine. I definitely so, don't want Sheldon in uh, in Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. So the ship drops out of hyperspace and starts to crash onto this moon. Wrecker and Omega run to the crash restraints and sort of strap in. Everyone else is in the cockpit. The ship crashes on the on the moon, and Wrecker hits his head during the crash. Um, but everyone seems fine. Did he though? Did he hit his head? Yeah, he's rubbing his head right where the inhibitor chip is. Okay, we're going to get into that, I promise. Okay. Um, the first time I saw it, first time I watched it, he definitely hit his head. The second time and the third time, I missed it both times. So I, w- I was paying very close attention to him hitting his head. But I'm pretty sure he hits his head. He definitely he definitely has something wrong with his head, and he's rubbing his head on the side. But we're going to get back to the inhibitor chip, because I texted you that there's some stuff that's unresolved in this episode that sort of terrifies me. And that's one of them. All right, so the ship is crashed on the moon. The diagnostic of the ship shows that they need a new capacitor. Fortunately, they have a spare, but they have to go do some repairs. Omega wants to help, but she finds Crosshair's weapon kit instead. There's a short conversation about how Wrecker admits that he misses Crosshair. Tech says the ship is probably what caused Crosshair to attack them. Hunter refocuses the group to fix the ship. Speculating about what's wrong with Crosshair right now isn't going to get them off of this moon. For the first time, we cut back to Camino. Crosshair is being examined by medical droids and like an MRI machine. Tarkin is observing. An officer named Rampart comes in, and they discuss the chain code program. Rampart was the guy we saw in the previous episode in the hologram. Yeah, I th- I thought that they, you know like well he was going to be the the next uh, baddie, but then he he wasn't. He was never actually seen in the last episode, so I, I kind of wrote him off as just like, oh, he's just—they're just showing some random guy. But no, it's—he's actually going to be a character. Um, so Rampart comes in, and they're discussing the chain code program, and Tarkin asks about Project War Mantle. Um, this is the project intended to replace the 
clones with stormtroopers. We both noticed this. This is one of the projects that Jen Erso reads off when she's looking for Stardust at the facility on Scarif in the movie Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I love plans. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, the second I heard it, it was like, oh, yeah, I know that. So they're talking about Project War Mantle. Rampart introduces the first elite squad of troopers. Four people in black stormtrooper uniforms, one of them being a woman. These people don't get names in this episode, but two of them are in Wikipedia as ES-1 and ES-4. ES stands for Elite Squad. So I guess we can call them the Elite Squad. Back on the moon, Tech and Echo go outside to fix the ship and swap out the capacitor. Echo thinks he hears something, so he goes to investigate and sees scratches on the outside of the hole. The scratches that weren't there previously. Tech comes to see, but he leaves the latch open where the capacitor was. And something that we don't see, only see in shadow, comes by and steals it. This whole scene is almost, is so reminiscent of Empire Strikes Back, Minox on the outside of the Falcon. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's, something's consuming the electricity, there's something messing with the ship, they can't see it, it's in shadow. Tech and Echo go back inside, and they say that they're done installing the capacitor, but they're not. They don't realize it's been it's gone. They do report that something is attacking the ship. Omega sees it through the windshield. Once again, quoting Empire Strikes Back with Leia seeing the Minac through the windshield. Sir, if I may venture an opinion. I'm not really interested in your opinion. Three There's zero. something out there. Where? Outside the cave. Baby, just listen. Are you crazy? I just got this bucket back together. I'm not going to let something tear it apart. She describes it, and they realize the creature took the capacitor. They're looking back at the diagnostic, and the capacitor's missing again. And then Echo says, it's probably an Ordu moon dragon who eats electricity. Um, so once again, he had information that might have been helpful, but was too focused on his task to brief everybody. And I just kind of got the opinion that like he um, he looked it up after the fact, that like they didn't know. Then like after you know describing it, they... You know, he figured out it was probably an Ordo Moon Dragon. Because there seems to be a, a lot of species, like, are just everywhere. You know, there's, like, Minox are kind of like the rats of Star Wars. They're everywhere. You know, Banthas are everywhere. Uh, so these things might be everywhere. We've just never heard of them before. You know, from a biology slash astrobiology point of view, it's called forward contamination. And so this universe or this galaxy has a ton of forward contamination. They've completely contaminated every world and every surface with whatever organism can live there. And there's no thought for any sort of biological security, right? As we talk about like exploring Mars and things, those things are almost completely sterilized going to Mars to prevent any contamination. Right. But these people don't care at all. Yeah. I actually remember listening to Science Friday, and then the topic was going to Mars, and like, no matter what we do, we're going to bring something with us, no matter how sterile they can make it. There's going to be something that's going to live, you know, on the spacesuits and contaminate yeah. Mars. Yeah, a thousand years ago, right? When I was in graduate school, I worked at the NASA facility in Florida, Kennedy, and we talked about forward contamination all the time as like an exobiology problem. And it's just not possible to do it perfectly. The The goal is to mitigate it as much as possible to lessen your impact. But these people don't care at all, yeah. right? 
Did the did the name Ordo Moon Dragon mean anything to you? The name sounds familiar. Ordo is from Kotor. It's a Mandalorian planet in Kotor. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, and so uh, that's one of the Easter eggs I found in uh, my research today, uh, and I figured you would really appreciate that fact because I know we both love that those Kotor Kotor stories. Um, and I like when they sneak sneak references in, for that time period into the modern stuff. Oh, can, um, there was, um, was it the name? Wasn't that, I could swear there was a, a Mandalorian whose name was Ordo. Something Ordo. Candorous Can- Ordo. Got a little sidetracked, that's fine. Um, so now they now they think this moon dragon has taken their capacitor. Hunter says he's going to go out and find it. Wrecker wants to go with them, but he's having a headache after he hit his head during the crash. So Hunter takes Omega as his partner on this expedition to retrieve the capacitor. We flash back to Kamino. The elite troops are being examined by the medical droids. Sort of a callback to the previous examination that Crosshair was undergoing. The Kaminoans are lobbying for the clones to be used instead of stormtroopers. Tarkin suggests that they need to test the group of new elite squad group by sending them back to Onderon to kill Saw and his rebels. Rampart says that he will send the group of troops to Onderon with these orders to see how they perform. So you did bring it up, but I want to, I want to preface it really quick with there's two interesting items that they set up in the beginning that they haven't, addressed yet. One is Wrecker's headache, which you pointed out. That he's actually rubbing his head where the chip is supposed to be. because It's the same place where Crosshair was rubbing his head. And that tech was building that scanner to check if the chips were actually broken or not. Yeah, I'm feeling there will be that will, they will come into play later. Because, you know, did Hunt Hunter bonk his head and now all of a sudden his chip is kind of like reactivated or trying to reactivate I guess it's uh, a plot on Gilligan's Island, right? Gilligan gets hit in the head with a coconut, and then he executes Order sixty six. <laughs> <laughs> so all they need to do is bonk Wrecker in the head again, and he'll be okay. Because that's that's how brain injuries work on TV. Not in real that's life, what, though. That's what they did to Peter Brady. Hit him on the head again. I don't remember if it was Peter Brady. One of those kids got amnesia once, and it was reversed by hitting him in the head again. Traumatic brain injuries always um, cancel each other out. All right, so uh, Hunter and Omega go to track the beast on the moon. Uh, Hunter and Omega, they discuss Crosshair briefly, and Omega thinks that they should uh, try to uh, retrieve him somehow. Omega knows a lot about the, apparently, the Kaminoans and Kaminoans, uh, El Kaminoans, uh... (laughs) Uh, and about the inhibitor chip. This this conversation does concern me a little bit, though. Do you think do you think that the actual plot of the series is redemption for Crosshair? Hmm. What do you think the probability of that is? You know what? I don't know. I think it's possible. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'm on board, so I'll t- I'll go for this ride. That they want to take me on. It's just he, they've really made him an evil person. It's going to be hard to drag him back from that, but I guess they brought Vader back. Yeah, well, that's you know kind of the one of the main um, storylines of Star Wars that is that you know people aren't you know past redemption, and so it's it's less sticky with Crosshair because if they can get the chip out, then he'll be 
less inclined to just follow orders and do awful things. The the elite squad of, uh, I guess we'd call them stormtroopers, and uh, Crosshair head to Onderon. One of the troopers harasses Crosshair, you know, thinking that uh, that that he'll that he'll somehow be in charge. You know, that Crosshair is this inferior. You know, questioning like why the clone. You know, if the clones are so badass, why are they being decommissioned? But Crosshair is just kind of cool as a cucumber. Doesn't doesn't rise to the bait. So at the uh, at the base, the rebels are moving out to meet Saw somewhere when the squad attacks. And they uh, they cut them down pretty gruesomely. There's a fairly long battle sequence. One of the stormtroopers has a flamethrower, and it ends when Crosshair uh, actually kills the pilot of the. They're trying they're trying to flee, and then he shoots the pilot through the canopy, and their ship kind of crashes right back down. It was only a few feet up. They try to surrender. Crosshair asks where Saw Guerrero is. One person says she doesn't know, and he immediately shoots her, saying, "I believe you." And then just some civilians come out of the ship. You know, they're trying to surrender. They say they don't know anything. And then that previous trooper is like, no, we're not. you know, they're civilians. We got to take them back, interrogate them. Crosshair is like, that's not what the, that's not what our orders are. And the guy tries to, I don't want to say mutiny, but just go against Crosshair's orders saying, hey, you know, we didn't sign up for this. You know, don't, don't listen to the clone. Listen to me. And then Crosshair shoots him. So this this character is pretty interesting to me because he was the one in the med bay that was saying, like, the Empire gives me a job and a purpose that's more than the Republic ever gave me, but he's not the cold-blooded killer that we sort of grow to know in the Empire. He's a little bit more measured and a little bit more rational about his violence. He definitely cut down that group of rebels but they were also exchanging fire with them mm-hmm. right so when someone shoots at you sure shoot them so right? that, that's an easy justification but he refuses to kill those unarmed civilians and then he gets killed for it yeah so the and then crosshair orders the the rest of the squad to kill the civilians and they do we don't see them do it but you know it's very dark this this whole section you know of the the episode is is very dark and Crosshair is basically binding them through, you know, kind of like how child soldiers are forced to kill because, you know, now that they've killed, they're bonded by their, you know, the, the awful thing that they've done. And they're, there's, there's kind of no going back now for them. And so this is showing, this is also kind of, I would say, a precursor to what the stormtroopers are actually like, or probably more importantly, uh, death troopers, because these guys are all in black. They've got green lenses. It's, there's a very much a, a death trooper vibe to them versus just stormtroopers. Yeah, so we can do this now if you want to, but I think you told me in a text message after the second episode or the first episode that that you think that Crosshair might be the first death trooper. Yeah. Or the I, origin of the death trooper program. I can't remember exactly. I yeah, I think, and this is just speculation, that I think that the war mantle is meant to be that, like, Every, that they wanted death troopers, to, like all the stormtroopers, to be like the death troopers, you know, just super elite, you know, fanatical soldiers who will just kill, you know, on command, just do whatever. I don't think that ends up, that obviously doesn't end up happening, but this is, I think what we're seeing is the beginning of the death troopers where they just, you know, they're all in black and they just, 
you know, they, they without question, they just follow they just follow their orders and just do awful, awful shit. It's in the name. They're a death squad. You know, they uh, just go in and just kill. They're not just regular foot soldiers. So there's a couple a couple of things that I want to talk about here, just real quick. Death troopers, yes, because they have the black uniforms and the green visors. It's stylistically they're telegraphing to us that that these things are supposed to be connected. We also talked about them having to go up against Scar Squadron. Then we talked about this in the trailer episode about about the elite group of stormtroopers that are supposed to mimic Clone Force 99. We thought maybe that would be a plot where they have sort of opposing sides with similar people or similar abilities. This could be a precursor to that. And then, of course, the other piece is in Battlefront, we have Inferno Squadron, which is an elite unit. And so it could be basically the first one, first iteration of this sort of super soldier. Right. Elite. Yeah, it's like, a, you know, like... Um... Uh, like some sort of like special operations uh, uh, units versus just your regular soldiers, right? And these this is a, th- that's a more generic way to think about it, and I think that that's also useful to to put on the table. Like it could be connected to one of these special programs, or it could just be really generic. I like the I like your idea that seems to be coming true that these are the beginnings of the Death Trooper program. Yeah, because. Uh, the uh, Ad- Admiral Rampart was he was he an admiral before I I, I didn't really know his rank until he, he gets uh, promoted today. Oh, has he been in other things? I don't recognize him. I don't think he has, but I'm I'm gonna look that up while you're talking. Uh, he says that uh, that the loyalty to the emperor, those who willingly volunteer, that stands for something too. There's the talk with the Kaminoan saying that the clones are trained from birth. But he's saying that you know these guys, they that they're badasses and that willingly join to do this. So that says something. Back of the moon, Hunter and the dragon fight, and the dragon knocks Hunter's breather off of his face. He loses consciousness pretty quickly. Now Omega is able to find it, grab it, put it back on his face, but he's he's out for the count. So Omega takes it upon herself uh, to grab Hunter's sidearm and the flashlight and crawls into the dragon's lair to to get to the part that they need. Now in the lair, Omega sees a bunch of spare parts and she eventually finds the dragon and the capacitor. She grabs it, but the dragon is right on top of her. As this is happening, Hunter regains consciousness and goes to find Omega in the lair. Inside, she's debating whether or not she should shoot it when she hears Hunter. The dragon eventually becomes calmer before and she decides to toss the flashlight that she was carrying which it ends up consuming and it was a kind of a cool little effect where it showed like it was sucking in the sucking in the power and it was just kind of going through the whole body i thought that was pretty cool yeah i'm not sure how these electricity eating organisms work but it was fun to see them visualize it like show its actual consumption you know and i was trying to think of why would the dragon let her take the capacitor? But it's a capacitor, right? It could have been discharged yeah. already, and it would be worthless to the thing at that point. And so, of course, they're going. It's going to let her take it at that point. Yeah, that that was that was my thought too. That he he had pretty much just uh, sucked all the juice out of it, and so it was just a useless part at this point. So she escapes. She calls to Hunter, saying that she's on the way. They're reunited, and he asks what she was thinking going down there alone. 
she said she was going to complete the mission, which she does. Now back on Camino, the squad returns minus the one that Crosshair shot. Tarkin takes the report that they did not find Saw, but wiped out the camp. He's pretty impressed by this, and he wants to continue the project and promotes Rampart to Admiral. I think it's fair to say that because this is sort of the Star Wars A-Team, Rampart is going to be the like the Colonel Decker or the, um, I can't think of the other one's names, but there's always a military officer that was chasing the A-Team. He's kind of going to be the main bad guy. You know, we probably won't see Tarkin anymore, except for maybe periodically. So there's, there's a real, real quick point here. One, um, Rampart gets promoted in this moment, and I looked it up, and he's only in these two episodes. And so he's he was a vice admiral when he was doing the chain code program, and he gets promoted to admiral in this episode. But if you look at Tarkin's uniform carefully, Tarkin's also been promoted. Tarkin went from grand admiral or whatever the heck he was. Now he's got his two yellow pips on his badge, which means that he's, well, he was Moff, and now he's Moff plus governor because the grand Moff title has not been invented yet. That gets invented during the Tarkin book, which is a couple years from now. Right, yeah, I, I've got to get the uh, the ranking system down uh, as far as like the, the blue, the red, and the yellow uh, squares. I did see a side-by-side of Tarkin in episode one and Tarkin in this one, and he's, he has different rank insignias. And I was trying to figure out if this was a continuity error, but it's, it's not because he's become the governor of Iriadu during this time, and that's what the yellow signifies. So meanwhile, uh, the the Kaminoans are are talking to discuss the future. Nalse is worried about the original sample from Jango Fett. Uh, it's apparently degrading, and they need to recover a clone to restart the program and make even stronger clones. But um, they make it sound like uh, they have to get it from Bad Batch. They can't use any of the other clones, or maybe they're talking about uh, maybe they're talking about Omega. I'm not really sure. Eventually, the new squad goes into the Bad Batch's quarters on, on Camino. Well, there's really not much to say other than just, you know, Crosshair just sits down where he normally is and just sits there and just kind of looks contemplative. And then back on the moon, Tech pilots the ship off the surface. Wrecker shows Omega that he made her a new room out of the, the tail gun. She's never had a room before, and she loves it. And it's a very, like, four clones and a little lady <laughs> sort of thing. So... <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> what a perfect reference. That's, uh, that's the end of the episode. Now I have to think about which one's Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> it's tech. No. Um, yeah, that's the end. So we talked a lot in, in the summary about little Easter eggs and what, what we were thinking. But I do want to point out that, that Hunter's headache sort of goes away. And it's, it's a very pregnant plot device. That just terrifies me that they're leaving it out there. Like, is Wrecker the next one to snap? Is that what they're setting up? Yeah, I'm. I'm I, yeah, I'm hoping it's not something like a like a horror film where every one of them slowly, slowly kind of like falls. I, mean, I, I hope not. I, but I think that uh, it will. You know, it will definitely. You know, learn more about the the chip and Wrecker's heck headache and the the device that Tech is making to fi- you know figure out what exactly we'll probably find out a lot more about the 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 chip and what uh what it actually does i hope you're right that it's not going to be the horror movie trope where they get picked off one by one this is one of the things that i left the episode they're building a device to measure this thing he's got a headache 
what are they setting up? Because Wrecker is like the big dumb, lovable one, right? He's the big kid. Mm-hmm. Like you can't take like taking him out of that group like really screws with the dynamic. We didn't learn anything about Omega during this episode, as far as I'm concerned. Agreed. I didn't realize that the the headpiece that she wears is the same thing that the Kaminoans wear. So maybe there's nothing, you know, nothing to it at all. I knew that, but I thought when you were saying, I thought when you were suggesting that there was something special about it, I thought you were suggesting there was something special because she sees it as like her connection to Nala Say or something because it's the same. It's obviously a cultural piece of I, I, like it, like donnery or whatever, whatever you want to call it, um, yeah. for for Kamenoans. Yeah, it, I completely just like I completely f- forgot that like that I'd seen Kamenoans wear similar similar uh, like headpieces so but still you know there still might be you know something to it the Camino wins uh something i didn't mention that they they say the clones are their property which yeah i mean this is this is like lockheed saying that the f-16 belongs to them <laughs> yeah that's what i was yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say you know like you know it, it's one thing is like if the a piece of equipment that the military didn't take but you know, like a piece of military equipment that uh, that the military is decommissioning. Lockheed, General Dynamics, Northrop Grumman, Boeing can't just be like, okay, we'll we'll just take these back then. But they definitely see them as property. It makes me think a lot about um, RoboCop. RoboCop had the four prime directives, and the fourth one was that he couldn't turn against uh, any uh, officers of the company. So I'm wondering if there's something in the chip or something with the clones that they can't they can't turn against the Kaminoans. That would be really interesting. I, I would love if they explored that sort of the Robocop rule. What was the name of the company in Robocop? I OCP. Any attempt to arrest a senior officer of OCP results in shutdown. What did you think? You were an ordinary police officer? You're our product, and we can't very well have our products turning against us. So one one thing about this episode, um, I was very excited that they let Ridley Scott direct the whole thing. This is a joke, <laughs> but it was so dark, and it was so alien. Oh, the pl- the like, planet made me think about Alien. Yeah, it's so Ridley Scott. It's ridiculous because there's all these like these little things that look like like eggs or like you know is very you know had that had that look of the alien planet like in LV426 from you know Alien the the original planet just very weird and bizarre. I was getting very I was getting very much like hey look at this wet egg vibes. Oh me too. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but it was you know it was it was dark and just like it was just but also like thematically it was dark. There. There's only been a few times that I can really recall where they showed people actually killing other people. I mean, they sliced up droids all the time and blew them up, but, you know, and, and nameless clones, we get cut down, but seeing people just get killed, it was always just kind of done off-camera or just, just to, you know, enough to be like, eh, you know, it's just clone, you've never actually seen his face, or that, at least that clone's face. But they actually, like, killed people. And like used like a flamethrower. Flame. I thought the flamethrower looked really great. I thought mm-hmm. I thought the animation was great. I thought it was a cool thing to include. It is a really horrific weapon to take into a battle. Yeah, 
and 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 just like what Crosshair did, forcing his squad to do it, because if they didn't do it, he would shoot them. Yeah, it, it establishes the cruelty and the malleability of the stormtroopers really earlier, elite squad really early. This episode shows a lot of growth, not growth necessarily, but like the trajectory that everybody's on. But it is a filler episode. Mm-hmm. Right? It is liter- literally they're fixing a flat tire. Yeah. And then have to like go get a lug nut that some animal stole. Right. But it, yeah, it's definitely, there's a lot of foreshadowing and setup for the story. I'm, I'm actually glad that they're not doing a recap in the beginning because in the if you watch the recaps, you can kind of tell like what storyline they're going to be talking about. That's so why I, yeah, I like, like in the Mandalorian they would always say like like oh here's here's like Cobb Vanth is back or whatever. Yeah. You're like oh, okay, so you're showing me clips of Cobb Vanth, so Cobb Vanth is going to be in this episode. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I've de- you know I've definitely kind of like learned my lesson on that because I want to go in just a little bit more. You know, I just want to be surprised a little bit. So I'm glad that they don't do that at least for right now. One thing, the uh, you know how the Death Troopers they kind of communicate through like kind of like a weird like encrypted like language. Sure. It's going to be explained because tech hacks into their communications. So then they start they start using like special you know communicators just between them where you know where it's garbled for anybody else but for them you know it makes sense and the whole point of this series is to explain why why death troopers speak in garble <laughs> that's just, a great prediction yeah like, and, and i'm gonna stop betting against you because you predicted the 18 thing you predicted the death trooper thing and you you seem to be dialed in to what they're thinking right now so i'll believe you oh and and a special A-Team news, something that just kind of came to me. It's, I was actually talking with a friend at work. All right, stop that. <laughs> Is that, because um, we, we were talking about it, I was like, and he's, say, he's saying, oh, I'm willing to bet money that, that at a certain point they'll have like a space truck. Because we are talking about, yeah, well, they need like a sweet space van. It's black and it has a red stripe. And then I realized their uniforms are black and they have red stripes on the uniform. You saying other than the Havoc Marauder, they need another space van? <laughs> yeah. One with a big red stripe the side and a spoiler. Yeah, you sent you sent me the photo of the van from A Team and the helmet from Hunter's helmet, I think you sent me. And the paint scheme is the same. Yeah. So it's pretty obvious. You nailed it. They were hunted for a crime they didn't commit, and Rampart is the military protagonist that is hunting them. Mm-hmm. Which is great for him, because he's a good character. We rank every episode with a Star Wars character. A great episode would have a character that uh, is uh, held in high esteem, you know, like one of the main original trilogy characters like Han or Luke or Leia or Chewie, and then just kind of go down from there till you get... To uh, let's see, somebody Brugit Lugubrious Moat. Oh, okay, who's that? He's the flea who rides oh. Salacious Crumb. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, like, the uh, the guy Luke, the guy Luke uh, sells a speeder to, or uh, you mean oh, the girl, I, the girl Luke sells a speeder to, because that character oh. is female. Sorry, that's very sexist of me to assume that uh, girls wouldn't uh, want a uh, an outdated speeder. But I was I was gonna I was, ch- I was just trying to think of somebody just random, and I had a good one and I didn't write it down, so I had to come up with one on the fly. 
So yep, so that is our ranking system that we use here at Yubcast Studios. So Matt, what do you rank this episode? I'm going to give this episode a Pong Krell because of the writer. And I like this episode and I like that character. In the grand scheme of things, he could have been a more important character. But his plot is pretty incredible overall. His existence is pretty inconsequential overall. But if you are into the deeper Star Wars universe, you'll like this episode and you should look at Pong Krell if you don't know who that is. And I looked up the name of the woman that Luke sold the speeder to. It's Weos Leah. Okay. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> now, I'll give it uh, a name of the hut. Now, the reason I'll give it a name of the hut is because there's a scene in Aftermath where the third book of Aftermath, Nima of the hut has all these slaves and they they capture random people. And they pretty much torture and brainwash them till they become then these slaves. And I kind of had that same kind of heebie-jeebies feeling from this episode with like proto death troopers and what they did on Onderon, uh, with that section of the book that was just kind of like, ooh, that is just ooh creepy. So, Nima the Hut for me. I love every hut, and so it's a good good choice from my point of view. I think that is it for us. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, next week with uh, episode four uh looking forward to it there's a trailer where they become mercenaries so more and more like the a-team so that should be pretty awesome thanks for listening thanks for downloading and let's keep going we haven't done it in a while but you know tell a friend you know someone who's really into star wars or semi into star wars my neighbor is kind of into star wars and he and i will talk and then he'll say something wrong and i'm just like but try not to be that guy but um yeah so please tell a friend and if you think we suck well um tell somebody you don't like about us that there's a super awesome podcast they need to listen to because screw them right see you next week thank you for downloading and listening to this episode we would also like to thank jordan white for the use of his cover of yub nub as our intro and outro music Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only.